Welcome back, it's time for Customers Who Click. Today, I've got a super interesting guest with me. Um, my guest is Jeremy Horowitz, Director of Marketing at Dacity and host of the Messenger Mastermind podcast. We're going to explore how SMS and instant messaging is the must-have channel for 2022. If you're not doing SMS yet, or even if you are and, and want to learn how to improve it, this is the episode for you. SMS has been around for years, but it's only the last maybe 12 months that the tech has really evolved and allowed brands to use it properly and easily. I remember the, the first campaigns I sent out for a brand a few years ago, it was a manual process of exporting the data from one place, loading into the SMS platform, sending. Now SMS platforms integrate seamlessly with your systems or are just a part of platforms like Clavio anyway. So let's get Jeremy on now to understand how SMS will change your business in 2022. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for joining me today. Just want to quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, a bit of your background and, and what you're doing today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to jump on the podcast. So quick background on myself. Way back in the day, I started as a product manager building SaaS apps for e-commerce brands. Jumped over to the brand side where I was the e-commerce manager for a company called Lumi. So I was brought in to manage their Shopify Plus and Amazon business while they went through a massive retail expansion into Apple, Verizon, Best Buy, Walmart, not Walmart, a Target, a bunch of other retail stores. And so I managed the entire e-commerce presence. And in that time, took over the email, grew that channel by 300% year over year, two years in a row. And then through that, ended up taking on products like SMS, Facebook Messenger back in the day, push notifications and all the retention channels and analytics for the brand, did a lot of customer research. After that left, I'm doing a couple of different things now. Purpose of today, I'm the host of the Messenger Mastermind podcast, where we interview a lot of the leading marketers in the D2C space. I also do some early stage investing in e-commerce brands and SaaS apps. And then also I am the I also work for an analytics company in the space. So I've seen the I've seen the from a lot of different angles. I know today we're gonna to talk about SMS. So my quick background there, got into SMS in 2017. Back then we were doing the kind of like abandoned cart recovery services where we would pick pick up somebody's phone number back in the day when you could actually just capture somebody's phone number at checkout in Shopify. I know it doesn't really exist anymore, but really started there. Eventually grown programs where built out SMS is a full stack offering from anywhere from top of funnel through retention, worked with brands to help generate over, I think we're at almost 10 to $15 million in SMS revenue from all of those brands. And then the cool thing that I think I'm most proud of, especially because I got a lot of my start in this space in email before I moved over to really focus on SMS was for one or three, it's, it goes back and forth, but for definitely for one and then potentially three brands based on how the rest of this year pans out and into early next year, SMS revenue has actually surpassed email revenue for them. And it's not like email is dying and it's really it's been growing at a really healthy rate where for some brands it's doubling, but SMS has just grown at such a faster rate that it actually is driving more revenue for the brand than email is. And I think what we can get into like email and SMS and how people think about it. I think the big miss there and what people need to focus on is not that one is beating the other channel, but by both growing so healthily, you have two retention channels that are extremely affordable that could be driving anywhere from, I would say 10 on the low side up to 40 to 50% of your total store's revenue because both are really healthy, sustainable channels where it's fueling a lot of revenue and a lot of retention growth for the business. And so I'm really happy to dive into a lot of different areas. I'm sure there's a couple of things that you might want to unpack there. But yeah, I think this was 2021 was definitely the year of SMS. I think 2022 is going to be the year where everybody finally adopts it and it becomes very mainstream. 
team. And so my one hope and the reason why I love doing these kind of talk shows is that I just really hope everybody does it. It's been such a fun yep. tool. It's been such, it's been so valuable for so many brands for so long. I just really don't want people to mess it up. So I'm not here to sell anything. I'm not here to push anything other than please don't mess SMS up for us. Yeah, I think I so I've been doing SMS for yeah, five, six years probably now. But initially back at when I first started doing it, we were basically doing exports from a CMS tool or whatever, or even just the back end, plugging it into a completely separate SMS tool to where we were running our emails from. And it, it wasn't too connected. And now we're at that stage where it all feeds into Clavio or whatever. And it's all just super easy to manage, which is great. So it'd be really good, yeah, to see more and more brands use it, but use it properly. I, th- I think at the moment. Pretty much the only brands I get it from are gambling brands because they use it loads in the UK. And and I worked in gambling for a bit, so I'm still signed up to pretty much every website in the UK. And pizza brands, Domino's, Papa John's, they use it really well. They get their timing because they always do it on a Friday night or a football night or you know something like that. I think it'd be really good to just start that email SMS piece. How does it differ? How do you use it differently? How does it fit into that customer experience differently? Yeah, definitely. And I like to think of every marketing channel is how is the user using it without ads or without marketing first, and then back into how the brand should be using the channel. So when you think about email, I think 20, 30 years ago, people actually probably were using it for one-to-one communication to actually talk to each other and to have that personal connection. Now, most people really just use it for work or to keep in touch with like their personal emails are basically to keep in touch with people, sign up for promotions and stuff like that. So I think it's a little bit different where people expect your email messages to be a billboard or to be mass communication. It's just, it's a lot less likely that you are emailing your friend, family member, acquaintance, something on a one-to-one level that's like personal that you wouldn't do in another channel, SMS, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. So I think that's why a lot of a lot of customers ex- accept that c- type of communication from brands. Yeah. It just made me think some, me and my brothers always complain when my dad decides to email us something that he wants us to do. We have a family WhatsApp, so just put it in WhatsApp. Why is, we're not checking, none of us are checking our email for that sort of email, really. I'm literally expecting marketing promotion, newsletters, and transactional alert-based things. Pretty yeah, much what I use it for now. Yeah. And I think I think that's also why the promotions tab in Gmail back in the day didn't kill email. It actually made it way better because people were already using it and it just gave them that new user experience of, okay, I'm expecting these things. What's a pleasant enough user experience that I get a lot of value out of it and just like essentially create a new schema within the UX of email. I'll go to the email section of the promotions tab. I look through all the promotions emails. I think SMS, exactly as what you just said, is the exact opposite. It's personal and it's your direct network, right? You're going to text your group of friends. You're going to text your family. You're going to text one-off people a specific message. And as you think about the messages as a brand that you put into those two inboxes, while there are a lot of similarities, right? Their retention channels, their opt-in, or at least email should be, there are ways for you to communicate and extend the relationship with the brand. And you can do a lot of that deep CRM type segmentation in both channels. The major difference, at least today in SMS... And what I really hope stays for a while is that people expect personal messages and they don't want to see those mass blast. This looks like it went to a hundred people. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can go about that. But I think that framework is really important. And then the, the second layer that I like to put on all marketing is the philosophy of like, would I send this message to a friend? If I was going and I like to think of a couple of specific people that if they're, if I'm working with a specific brand, if it's a, 
of uh, women's apparel brand. I'm going to think of some of like my female friends or my female family members that might buy from them. Like I would want to think through what would they open? What of my texts would they respond to versus if I'm working with a, I don't know, use Ridge wallets. Cause I recently went through their funnel. I'm thinking of like the very male heavy wallet brand. What would my dad open? What would my like male friends probably also for Ridge for like my more outdoorsy type of friends open and really think through that because I think how you construct the message, especially with SMS, you have this, and I'll use SMS very broadly. It could be WhatsApp. It could be Facebook messenger. It could be any really just direct communication okay. channel that has that one to one to one expected experience. You really want to think through deeply. What are they expecting to open? What are they expecting to see? Because the best marketing is always what just but it isn't marketing, right? Like a customer doesn't notice yeah. that it actually is marketing and it just seems like a great experience. And it has that little, not like some bad surprise, but good surprise of like a, Ooh, okay, this was pleasant. And so you really want to think through that. And it's, you should be doing this in email. It's so much more important in SMS because everybody's going to open your message. And I think that's a really big, it's a really hard, especially for an email marketer, it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around because you're spending so much of your time in email just trying to get the open and expecting people not to open versus an SMS. Everybody's going to open it and it's whether they click or not. That's super important. Plus also just the way that it's displayed, right? Every email you send is a separate email. It's one off. Someone can do text message shows up in a thread. So like I can yeah. go back and scroll through. I just got 15 text messages in the back past week, I can go through and scroll through every single text message that a brand sent me in a second. Like and literally I could scroll up, scroll down and see everything. And that user experience is really important because you really need to think of how you construct the conversation versus just here's a one-off message, read it, act. Here's a one-off message, read it, act. You really need to think through what's the thread of things I've sent these people and how do they play together? Because the brands that really get it have amazing programs where people are responding, people are interacting, people are doing things, and it's driving insane engagement. We, For one of the brands I worked with last year, we sent a text message that had 190% click rate. Not unique, just overall. If you think about it, that means that out of, out of all the times we sent it, somebody, either someone clicked through 50 times, just kept opening it and going back to it, or yeah. almost everybody opened it twice, which I don't expect to actually happen. But it's that different type of engagement that you really need to build into every message that you think about. And also, I think the other thing is that because of those dynamics, SMS is really meant for high value, important. We like to think of it as what's very important or what's very immediate to send to your customers. Because if you have that framework, you can have outs, even with the higher expensive SMS, you can have outsized performance just because of how impactful the channel is and how quickly someone can take an action. And so that's another, actually, I'll just, I guess I'll keep going. This is like my fourth thing would be the speed of the channel. So there's some stat I read a couple of years ago that 90% of people open an SMS within the first three minutes of opening, of like yeah, getting was, the message. I've heard that stat as well. It's literally what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah, and I would be ecstatic if we were able to even measure the entire open rate of an email in a 48 hour period. And as you think about that experience, if someone's going to do something in three minutes, or we need to wait for someone to do something over a 48 hour window, it also just, to me, what's exciting plus the response pieces is that this opens up a completely new category for marketers, especially in the e-com D2C space to get them to take new actions and to create new experiences for customers that 
you wouldn't have been able to an email and you wouldn't have been able to in other channels. And that's where we've had the most fun. And that's where we've seen a lot of just really cool experimentation that maybe message one doesn't drive a ton of revenue, although you will be surprised. I cannot tell you how many content message, SMS messages with no URL back to the site drives thousands to tens of thousands of dollars in revenue. I've seen all it. these new things. Yeah. So I've seen it with e- e- you send emails that are not designed as sales messages. There's there's no call to action. There's no link to the store or whatever, but they will generate thousands in revenue. I imagine it's just because people go, oh yeah, that brand. Yeah, go on. I'll check it out. Or ideally the message is something that is still appealing to them. And it's if you're sending something like you say, is it important? Is it immediate? And if it's important without a, an actual URL in it, it's probably something like a... a not a terms and conditions update. That's really boring, but I don't know, a letter from the CEO or something, just like a company update that I imagine maybe it happens in B2B more, but when a company gets acquired, for example, a lot of the time an email goes out saying, hi, it's Will from this company. We've just been acquired, blah, blah, blah. Everything's going to stay the same, blah, blah, blah. No URL, anything. Those probably generate loads of business. Yeah. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be a really like big update. One time we just sent a text message because it was actually it was actually support, supposed to be a customer support message of, hey, we like took a couple photos of a warehouse and it was like, hey, orders are going to be super delayed. We're just swamped. Like we were actually just, it was not trying to sell anything. It was literally just trying to be like, hey, we're trying to set proper expectations here. Like we had a crazy sale. Orders are going to be delayed. And we didn't include a URL in the message because we didn't want that. We didn't want people to buy more, but the, definitely the intention was not for them to buy more. And we just saw a flood of orders come to the website. I think all, we accidentally created a bunch of scarcity and urgency for people to go buy. Well, like, so yeah, social proof, bit of scarcity. Like oh, I've loaded, if they're overwhelmed, it means loads of people are buying this. Why aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so now we've definitely taken that as a, uh, a tactic to move forward with. But it's those types of things. Like it doesn't need to be a big update. Sometimes we see one thing we love to do because a big thing for us is how do we drive around a product launch as much revenue in a 48 hour window as possible. So like a good launch for us is a hundred to $200,000 of great launches in the millions. And so something that we've started to do that was really successful is just a super quick either video or usually videos work best of a thank you for an amazing launch. And this can be done for sales and other big events, like a quick selfie video, maybe 15 seconds. Thank you from our team. We're so appreciative of everything you do. We send that out. Sometimes now we started to include a URL, but we used to send a text message without one. Found it to be extremely impactful and people would go and sometimes we send it after product was sold out. Sometimes we sold that send it after the sale was over. And it was shocking to see how many people will go back and buy. And it's those types of messages that I think either brands don't think they're valuable enough to send or they're afraid to send them because they think that they're going to reach out to their customers too many times and it's too many frequency. And I think that's also the thing that you really need to wrap your head around for SMS is it's not... It's more of the content of the message than the frequency. If you're shaking it, if you're shaking it up and you have valuable, multiple valuable things to say, people actually will be willing to receive multiple text messages from you in a short period of time. But if you're just hounding people, and this is my one of my biggest gripes of the you signed up for our SMS list. Here's your 10%. Don't forget your 10%. Come back for your 10%. Like yeah. I think one people need to realize this. If somebody doesn't take an action from your SMS, they got it. 
Like they saw the message, they got yeah. it and they just didn't respond. And you need to think they're like, okay, what's the next thing we can send them that will get them to come in? And what's the next thing that we send them? And you really have to think a lot. I think you have to think a lot about user psychology and buying psychology and email. It's more like hockey versus back basketball and SMS where every shot on goal really matters so much more because it's you have such fewer shots to take. And so I think that is really important for people to figure out also. Yeah, I think... One of the issues that I've seen a lot is people are targeted on revenue, right? Or maybe not targeted, but people are pressured to to earn revenue. So when they're looking at building that email campaign, that SMS campaign, they're just thinking, what about this email or this, this SMS is going to drive revenue? And so campaigns like you mentioned, where it's that thank you uh, thank you video, or it's that image of the warehouse saying, we're slammed at the moment, there might be delays on deliveries. That doesn't even cross the mind of a lot of people because it doesn't, it's not an obvious sales message. Mm -hmm. They're thinking completely opposite of what you're saying happens, but they're thinking this is a send, which it takes our time. It takes resource. It's one of our sends per week or whatever, but we don't think this is going to drive any revenue. So we're not going to do it. Yeah. Right? I they think would, they would is... rather do that 20% off. We've got a sale running because that's the one they expect to drive revenue. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's one of the common misconceptions from top, like top five, top 1% email marketers, SMS marketers, and everybody else who's doing it is those top five, 1% get that you send those other non-revenue emails. Not only do those, not only do those messages in either channel generate the revenue, but also they make your big product launch, your big promotion message, all of those other things, so much more money because it's the concept of someone, I think Chris from Econ Growers on my podcast, my podcast, I love this analogy of you're just depositing, you're just depositing goodwill in the bank and you're just going to keep depositing yeah. it up with all those good messages. And then when you need to take that withdrawal, you have enough saved in the bank that you can start to take that down a little bit. And I think it is such a misconception of we have to send the sales, we have to send the product release, and that's the only things we're going to send. Of And it's interesting to think a lot of email marketers start to pick up SMS and take this like very strong opinion on it. But I actually think that it's a huge mistake. I think SMS specifically, the more high value content Right? You're not going to send them everything that you put out. But if you have that amazing video, if you have that amazing blog post, great piece of UGC, great review, that stuff crushes in SMS. It's short, it's concise. People can consume it really quickly. And if there's a related action that they can immediately take on your website, that they're going to, because the, that's what the channel experience is today. And it's again, it's another, it's just, a, it's a, here's something really valuable. I wanted you to have it. I'm not going to spam. If you and I are chatting in SMS, I'm not going to spam your SMS with just a, every blog post I read and 15 things going on. I'm going to that one or yeah. two high value thing. It's an immediate action. And then you can go and you can go and action it and do whatever it is. It doesn't always have to be buy, but yeah, you've seen people where we send them to YouTube, they watch a 10 minute video and then come back to the site and buy all triggered off of an SMS campaign. And it's just so incredibly impactful that that's my one, that's my one thing that I hope people really lean into next year is what is that really great content that you can send an SMS, right? You've built the flows, you have the high value campaign set up that I, I hope everybody has to date. If not, we can definitely dive into what they should be doing there. But really think of what's that next evolution of your program? How can you keep people just obsessed with opening your SMS messages? Because the brands that I've seen be able to do that are the ones that are able to get to where that SMS revenue is outpacing their email revenue growth. 
Yeah, that thing you mentioned about the, the banking, right? The, building that goodwill just made me think. There's one brand in particular in the UK who has supplements, right? Training supplements, protein, and all that. They're they're known as one of those companies you never buy full price from, ever. Right. In fact, I haven't really looked through my email marketing. I might have unsubscribed from that actually. I haven't looked through this Black Friday's emails, but I remember last year I got, I was getting three or four emails a day from them with a flash sale, 80% off plus 20% off, uh, last chance to get it, now flash sale, an extra 20% off. And it just, it gets to that point where there's no reason for me to engage with these emails. Because I know that I can probably just go to the website at any point when I feel like it and, and I will get that discount and I'll get those promotions. So I just have there's absolutely no incentive for me to open these emails now. Whereas if you've got that brand, which is just giving you updates, so there's another one called Naked Whites in the UK. It might be in the US as well, actually, now. Um, they've got this whole kind of wine club where if you're an angel, you basically make a, a monthly payment and you get cheaper prices on really good wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they email you were asking you to vote on. In fact, the one I had the other day was voting on what this guy's wine should be called. I think mm, love that. Uh, that's which one was of our really good strategies. Yeah, that's a good and one. and they also do things like so the basically your angel funds are used as investment. So they will go take that funds and invest in a winery or a vineyard. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And so there are times when they'll they'll send out emails saying we've got these three. We really like these three, but you guys get to decide. And this is stuff that is doing exactly what you mentioned. It's building that goodwill with me. It's making me feel really engaged with the brand. It's not selling to me, but at each time it's making me think, do I have enough wine downstairs? Should I just, I know that I'm an angel. That's why I'm getting this email. So if I've got credit in my account, should I just top up? And so without actually having to send me the sales email, they, they I'm on the website anyway, because they do the vote. So while yeah. I'm on the website, I might as well just go and check it out. So this is one of our favorite tactics. So one of the things that we do, because one of our brands drops products every other week. And what we'll do is we'll text out being like, here's an image, A or B, which is your favorite? And the brilliant, and sometimes it'll be like, hey, text us what you want to name it. And the brilliance of this is also like, just so everybody knows, the inside baseball piece is usually when we're doing the A, B option of like, hey, these two products, we're thinking about releasing these two products, which one is your favorite? And then you can, in SMS, you can type a keyword to vote essentially. And so sometimes it'll be tied to an incentive or something else. Sometimes it will just straight up ask, which is your favorite? The brilliance of what that wine company is doing is they actually are selling to you without selling to you. Because if you name it and your name is picked, you own that product. And you're like, we got to buy it. I named it. So yeah, yeah, you not have this? You're going to feel really good on you. You'll be like, oh, I, I voted for that. I was right. I should probably buy that wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a brilliant tactic of that, like classic sales tactic of a micro commitment of one small yes leads to progressively. And, and it's just a domino effect up to get to the sale. But yeah, and that's, that also is what I think is really cool about where SMS can go for a brand. And I've seen some of the really impressive and what I call the choose your own adventure in SMS is you send a message out and it's something related to something you have going on in your brand, big product launch big theme. Maybe you're doing a like big national holiday. Like at, at Lumi, we always did a big thing for national selfie day because a lot of people bought the product to take selfies. And you can just have like, here's keyword response one to take you down this path, keyword response two, keyword response three. And the cool thing in SMS is that you can essentially trigger automated conversation with the person where, okay, here's the first message. I respond to this keyword. The auto reply 
then presents me with it, where you can drop people to the site, to content, or you can have another set of keywords where it drops them into another experience. And so it's a little old. One of my favorite experiences of this was Native a couple of years ago, had a product launch. I think it was all around rosé. It's so good. I, I remember the rosé piece. I must have had like a scent of rosé. They sent a message and it was like, for our big rosé drop, here are four options. And one was like a recipe for rosé. One was a yoga video that was themed rosé or something. One was like, you could just go straight to the site. And then the third thing I think was a blog post all about what to do with your rosé. And what was really cool was you could go back and you could experience the multiple different things. You could... And I think one of their last response, they had another set of triggers where you could go and take another step and learn more about the product, an additional piece of content, view all of it together. And what's really cool is as you get more creative with it, you can start to programmatically trigger these essentially self-serve experiences for mer- for customers where they get to tell you what they're interested in. And the cool thing is that if you're intelligent about how you structure it all in the back end, it's a ton of zero-party data you can capture on the customer. And so... I don't know what Native did after that, but if I was working there, I would have taken all of that rosé. Are people more interested in videos? Are more people interested in recipes? What tra- like what converted to purchase? And then the next time, how do we do that again, but smarter? And if they really like rosé, maybe they'll really like our peach scent. Or I don't, I don't work in Native. I don't really know what people buy for deodorant. But like, what's the relevant thing that I could do next time? Because then... You can go back and, okay, create a segment of everybody who replied to these keywords, and you can even do a combination of the different ones. So you could send the, hey, here's a video option for this new peach thing, and we're going to do peach bellini recipes, and we're going to do, I don't know, peach colored outfits and whatever, whatever. But you can get really creative with how you tie previous customer interactions, right? It's not just a, did they, like, you know, an SMS, did they open, but like, did they click where do they go on site? You can do, where do they respond to us? Where does that indicate that they're interested in moving forward? Yeah. Where if I'm that wine brand, I'm taking all of Will's favorite names and ideas and what he's voting for. And then I'm just going to push that back and be like, hey, Will, here's that bottle of red with the types of names that you really, you probably should buy some more. Like it's time to refill your stock. Yeah, there's loads more they can do. I mean, without making myself sound like an alcoholic too much. Yeah, we um, can pick a different brand if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they do a lot of free gifts, right? So they will do a lot of, here's a bottle of gin. But when you buy 12 bottles of wine, you get a free bottle of gin. Or it's a magnum of wine, or it's w- whatever. There must be a point they know that certain people respond to certain free gifts. So some people will ignore the bottle of Prosecco, but will always, whenever you get the option for gin, they will always take it up but i don't think i'm not sure they're looking at that in, in that much detail but on the sms side one of the first brands that i experienced on whatsapp was holiday pirates in the uk which is a holiday uh, deals and, and booking website and they would go down the route of saying just respond a b c d what kind of categories are you interested in what types of holidays are you interested in and you do it the first time and then maybe a few days later you'd get another one saying are you interested in any of these the mistake they made was they did go around the, down the route of just sending everything, right? So I would open yeah. up my phone even just after an hour or so and I'd, I'd have about 15 messages from them, all different deals. And I'm thinking, I can't, I'm not going to read through each of these. I'm not going to check it at each one of these deals and I'm not going to check it 50 times a day. So that's where they went, went that the route, like you, like you mentioned, of sending every single blog post. It, it's just not going to work, is it? Yeah. If you're going to ask somebody for the response, honor it and send it. Like for that, the wine example of, is it a bottle of gin, a magnum bottle of wine? 
I would just send one SMS message. We're giving you a free gift with your order. Do you want A, do you want B, or do you want C? Let the person respond, opt in, give them a coupon code or whatever you need to execute it to give them the free gift. Because the beautiful thing is if you actually know what they want to buy and you're in a consumption business or a replenishable business like that, they literally told you what they want more of. So you can just say, yeah. everybody who responded to gin now, okay, we know that they're buying red wine. Now sell them the gin category for everybody who said, like picked whiskey, send them whiskey. And it's a great way to extend CLV. It's a great way to extend, especially if you're a big product catalog. Like it's those types of things. Ask them what they want and give it to them. And that's what I love about, we love to get it so complicated and these things get so robust. But once you understand your customers, it really just become a like, what do you want? Here it is. And it really, <laughs> yeah. can really be that simple. And especially with these new tools, I know shop quizzes are a, a big thing now. And if you can start to route people through that experience, which is a great lead magnet to tie them back in and then use that back in your email SMS channels, like you really can just be like, okay, you come to the brand. What do you want from us? Here it is. What else do you want from us? Here it is. And it really can be this self-feeding cycle where I think I'm going to take a quick tangent. The big thing that most people miss in this industry is that they want to appeal to as many people as possible. And they think that growth comes from acquiring and getting as many people to buy as possible. It's not true. We're not software. We don't have infinite scale. That's not how this business, or at least from everything that I've seen working from brands who are launching to brands who are doing nine and 10 figures in revenue in GMV a year, you have it's what's called the Pareto principle, the 80, the classic 80, 20 rule. You're going to have customers, you're going to have top 20% of customers, you're going to have top 10, and you're going to have top one. And those top 20% of customers to keep this simple will generate the overwhelming amount of your revenue, like gross disproportionate amount where some brands I've seen it as low as 40%, other brands I've seen it high as 80 to 90%. So half to almost all of your revenue is coming from 20% of your customers. And what's really cool today is the experiences that you can create that are great customer experiences are actually huge data mining opportunities to give those people who are going to be, I call them your power purchasers. Some people call them VIPs. Some people call them high value customers. You can call them, I would actually brand it and you should call them whatever you want to call them that's relevant to your brand, but finding those customers and just feeding them everything that they're going to want to buy and increasing their purchasing frequency and just increasing their AOV is the one thing I have seen across every brand that I've seen scale really fast, whether they raised money or not, figured that out. And they really architect their entire business around that. And the beauty is once you have them an email and SMS, it's the cheapest way to keep them going. Because all these experiences that we talked about are just free to virtually free messages to just get them to buy again and to get them to buy again and to get them to buy again. And I think that was one of the greatest things I learned about Lumi, especially when we dug into our data was we saw the phone case that you're only supposed to buy when you replaced your phone. So so our buying cycle sucked. It was like 18 to 24 months. So we weren't long enough and expensive enough to be a mattress and we weren't cheap enough to just run like a hit quick Facebook ad to get you to buy in a week. And so when we dug into the data, we found this exact thing where we had customers who were spending thousands of dollars on a $70 phone case every year. And we optimized the entire business to it. And it led to the fastest profitable growth growth the business had seen since Kim Kardashian West posted on Instagram for free about it. And I think that there's a massive unlock that like once you have that data and once you have that system that... The entire business focuses on these people. And then we have a net to catch everybody else. That is the brands I see to grow both the fastest and the most profitably because 
at the end of the day, you're just optimizing to how can we get more products into these people who are obsessed with us? If you're thinking about, if you're spending $1,000 on a $70 phone case, I have to do the math, but I think that's somewhere around like 15, 10 to 15 phone cases, depending if you bought them on sale or not throughout the year. And if you're switching your one for one phone, if you're switching 15 phone cases in a year, you're probably giving them to friends. You're telling everybody about them. Everybody you, who sees you use that product. And it's those customers, right? If you're on a replenishable, it's the customers that buy years worth of coffee supplements, like dr- food and beverage. And that's why I love channels like email and SMS, because once you get them in, once you get their contact information, once you have the analysis to understand what they want, what they're going to buy, what to give more of them, it's just automated, right? Like you can just set up systems, you can just let it run and you don't need to be worried about, are we chasing the right row as, are we going to hit our sales numbers this month? I don't get me wrong. Like somebody on your team still needs to worry about that, but you have that long-term confidence where I've seen brands that like the brand that their SMS revenue outpaced their email revenue by a lot, they've now reduced their Facebook ad budget by 50 or 60% year over year for the past two or three years. And this year, like the in 2021, the whole iOS update didn't really impact them because they had these other systems where some of their customers buy 25, 50 times in a year. And they just see an email or SMS go by and it's just a cycle. And it's incredible to see these brands grow so quickly on unsexy, not that you're not going to hear a huge like Twitter or LinkedIn rants about these things, but it's, it's incredible how fast these brands can grow just doing the basics. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, just getting into those kind of flows and things. And uh, I realize we haven't got a huge amount of time left, but do you want to just give us a, a quick overview of, you know, if you haven't got SMS in place now, you might be capturing some phone numbers and things, but you haven't, if you haven't really got flows in place and anything, what are some of the key things you should go and do just right now just to start benefiting from it? Yeah, definitely. So if you don't have SMS, the four things you need to do today, one is lead capture, the rest is automation. The first thing you need to do is what we call the two-for-one pop-up. So your email pop-up on site, you're probably offering some sort of incentive to get somebody's email address. If you're not doing that, Definitely spin that up. Like, pause the episode, stop listening to me, go do that. It's just too important not to. So, what we traditionally did was on page two, sorry, like I enter my email address, the next screen pop up, the next screen appears. Typically, it's an either here's the coupon code that we're going to send you an email as well, or just a general thank you page. Historically, what we did was we just converted that page to say, thank you for your email, check it for the discount code. Here's a second, slightly better offer if you give us your phone number as well. And so really important piece of that, not just to capture their email and phone, that two for one at the same time, but if they've given you their email address and then they've given you your SMS, that's also a major flag that they're going to buy, right? That is extremely high buying intent that I come to the site. I got, I got offer number one. I want to see offer number two so badly that I'm willing to give you my phone number because I have 12 email addresses. I've got one cell phone number, right? It's way more valuable. And for the average customer who even has two or three emails, right? Like they're going to be way stingier with their phone number than with their email. So it's so important to do that. We've actually seen with SMS take over so much performance. We've now flipped it so that screen one is phone number, screen two is email. Think about your program. Think about how reliant you are on email and how much you need to keep feeding the beast before you... We tested that and we saw a lot of performance before we decided to make that switch. So get that going, whether you do it on scroll, whether you do it on entrance, whether you do it on pop-up, just make sure that you're capturing both of those things top of funnel. For the automations, it's really simple, right? So you're going to have a reply to everybody who captured their phone number. 
have a one, maybe two step follow-up to that as your welcome sequence. And please, for the love of God, don't just remind them that you sent them a discount code. I cannot tell you how much that bothers me. It should be, what's the primary best use case that we think that someone's going to buy? What is your core USP, your core sales proposition, why your brand exists, that if you're smart, you can change it and track it based on UTM codes and where you gain, where you acquire that contact information from. But at a high level, right? what's your just best sales proposition? And then as the second message, we like to go over an AB route depending on the brand. If you have a really big support team and you can support having an influx of SMS messages, and we typically do this through a Postscript Gorgeous integration, ask them, hey, do you have any questions about our brand? Is there anything I can help with? A message like that. Also, if you personalize it, it's, hey, this is Jeremy from this brand. Do you have any questions that I can help you with? We've seen engagement go through the roof. It also turns your CS team into a sales team, which is a major unlock for most brands. If you can't do that and you don't want to support that, the second thing we recommend and that I've seen a lot of success with is what I call the value stack message. So this is where you just pack in all of the other things that you use to get people to buy. It's usually like the bullet points or the what I call the emoji points and ad copy. Buy now, pay later program, great returns and exchanges, free shipping on X orders, X number of reviews, right? All of the things that you just stack up to convince someone to buy. So someone really quickly can go check, check. All right, let me get back into the funnel. Because if you think about it, they hit your site, they left, you send them the first message, they still didn't buy. It's similar to your homepage construction, right? Like just what are the other things to convince them to get them into the funnel? Second flow would be abandoned cart flow. Super simple. And this you can map pretty closely to your email and your email flow. My one recommendation, one email, maybe two. And the only reason that I would do the second email is if you do that customer support email of, hey, did you have any questions about your order? And that's really, it's really important to have that slight nuance versus the top of funnel. Just do you have any questions about shopping with us? First message is if you want to do an offer, you can. If not, honestly, the classic like, Hey, we noticed you left something in cart. Here's a dynamic product photo. Re-enter. It's shocking how success, how much revenue you see from that. Usually incentives will give you some sort of incremental revenue on top of that. Third one, this is the most complicated, but this is the absolute moneymaker. This is the one that to me is like, if you do this, it just changes your business is what we call the immediate post-purchase sale. To keep this simple, I run a t-shirt shop. I also sell baseball caps. You come through, you buy a black t-shirt, it's like $35. I have fairly good margins and I can afford the CAC on that. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes after you place an order, we immediately hit you with a text message saying, if you place this order within the next three to four hours, it depends on your fulfillment window. If it's an order in the three to four hours, we're going to give you this insane deal. It can be a bundle. It could be a deep discount. What you need to do is you need to pick a second product. Let's say that my baseball caps have a 90% margin. I'm going to offer you 30, 40, 50%. If you add that baseball cap to your order before we ship it out, the reason why we want that extremely high margin is is multiple things. One, any profit that you preserve in that upsell is immediate profit on top, is immediate contribution margin profit, which is really important, right? It's not just your product costs, but it's also your marketing costs on every order. It's immediate contribution margin where we've seen companies have like an eight to 15% take rate on that post-purchase cross-sell, but add 50 to 100% contribution margin back to the order. 
And then you just, from that text message, you redirect them into the, into a specific landing page. It's the only place that you can access this offer. You don't email it out. You don't run it in ads. It's literally just everybody who buys. Also, if you should use your SMS platform to filter out people who bought, don't sell to people who bought hat in order. So you don't get that customer support backlash. Yeah. But it's so important because if you do the first, if you do the top three things, collect their email, run the welcome flow, run the abandoned cart flow, that will get your acquisition way up. This will add a ton of revenue to the profit side of your order. And what that allows you to do is one, it gives you more of a delta between that first order AOV and your CAC to lift your CAC up higher if you need to go spend more money to acquire more customers. If you don't, it just gives you more profit to either reinvest in people, reinvest in new product lines, or just have bigger inventory purchases. And it's honestly like we built a calculator that we share with a bunch of the companies that we work with. And when you run the numbers, it's honestly almost like a round of funding in profit, where if you're at a decent size scale, where you're doing a couple hundred to thousands of orders a month, and you have a decent size AOV, like north of 50 to 100, some of the brands, like the math can work out where you're adding hundreds of thousands of dollars at the profit level, like contribution margin profit back to your business. And that literally $100,000 is a new product line. It could be a whole new ad, like whole new ad channel. Like it really will change your business. And so that to me, that's the money makers that I would set up if I was like, that's the money I recommend everybody who gets going does those four things. Cause once, once you have it, that's the system that feeds itself. You'll make enough money to pay for the tool in like a month or two for the, a month or two of that system running at scale will pay for the tool for the rest of the year. And then you can layer on the campaigns. Then you can layer on all the other fun stuff we've talked about. And just that's how you really blow the channel out where you could be going from a couple thousand dollars in sales a month to hundreds of thousands to even millions of dollars in sales a month, depending on your size and just how big your business is already. Yeah. Just a question on that upsell. Do you have to use use any special tool or anything to link that purchase to the previous one? So that, you know, when it gets fulfilled, for example, it's, it's fulfilled as one order. Yeah. So that's the one thing that we haven't been able to figure out today. Either you need to do that at where your fulfillment team picks up the order or the other reason why we want that super high profitable order, that super high profitable product for that cross-sell is you should be able to construct it with the offer. Even if you have to pay for the shipping to ship the order in a separate package, you can eat it and it's still super profitable. Assuming you're not shipping like furniture or something like bedding, like something yeah. crazy heavy, it should be, which you should not be, which also you should not be running for, uh, you should not be running a $5,000 offer in this cross sell. It should be like super something. That's another other piece that's also probably pretty important. Light or digital product. We've seen warranties, insurance yeah. programs, things like that be killer because it's all, it's not all margin product anyway, but light product, easy to ship because if you need to eat the five to $10 in shipping, it's still so profitable that it, it's, and it's a no-brainer offer that it's still it's it just makes too much sense to not run it. Yeah, are you seeing that it generally works with? I think I've seen a kind of a, a rule that those cross sells. It's not really an upsell, is it? Cross sells should be roughly twenty five percent the value of the original order. That that was my original philosophy too. As I've been testing this, I've seen some wild things where. If you're actually in an upsell business, so going back to those consumption style, like the wine example or coffee or supplements or anything like that, 
I've seen just crazy offers where it's just here's a bundle for more that you more than of what you bought. It's actually more expensive than what they originally purchased, but it's such a great deal. Right, like the bundle value of if I bought one bag of coffee, I buy three, and it's thirty or forty percent off of the bundle. I'm blown away by the people who would take that higher offer and spend more money afterwards because they want the deal. So it re- I think that yeah. really is a brand by brand case. To me, you really need to think through more of what's your hero product and what makes the absolute most sense for someone to buy in that second offer. If you're a complete the look like a fashion and apparel, or that is more of the, what's the complimentary thing. Tacovis has an amazing pre-purchase funnel that you, can, you don't have to buy because their products are pretty expensive, but it's classic. They sell cowboy boots. Very American brand, I know. Uh, I feel like an American coming on the British podcast, I got to really show off. And they sell cowboy boots and then they sell belts. And their whole thing is like affordable premium leather, but it's right. It's that simple collection versus the coffee is that you just buy more of this. We've seen high, we've seen device brands cross sell that like more of insurance warranty type product. The construction of it really is what's your hero product? What makes the absolute most sense? What's that product affinity that you want to map back to that hero product? And then the second piece is just, it has to be really high margin so that you can construct all of these different pieces. And it's still an absolute moneymaker for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, digital products, super easy because they buy it and you're done. You don't, well, you obviously fulfill it, but you don't have to do proper like order delivery fulfillment or light products, which are just really easy to ship out. Um, yeah. And essentially super yeah. low cost is what we're looking for. Uh, one brand actually even just like people will pay to get their order shipped out faster. So it's like, Hey, you just bought this typical shipping days is X. Do you want to get it in Y that's like way faster? And people will pay for that too. I think that's, I don't want to get, you can use it for products. And if you do need to move a lot of products, I do recommend it. But honestly, like I would just think about it as what's something very profitable that we can just get people to spend more money on that provides them a great experience. Personally, working in e I think a lot of that will be product driven. You can dive into a really long tail of other things. And what's cool is, is you can get into the if-then rules of, okay, they bought this, let's trigger this cross-sell. If they bought that, maybe it's not a product, maybe it is a warranty or it is a service or it is a digital product. And you get really creative and it just lifts your AOV, your contribution margin, like all of those critical numbers that allow you to grow the business. And so that's why it's, to me, that's the one thing I don't see can't say anybody because now I do see brands doing it, but I see way too few brands doing that. If you don't want to go take a debt note out from one of the like revenue-based finance companies, if you don't want to go raise a round of funding, it's those types of things that will just allow your current engine to spit out so much more cash that like everybody who we talk to, they're like, no, I don't want to do it. It seems sleazy and it has a bad UX. And it's like, one, build a good UX, make sure your customers like it. And then everybody afterwards is always like, thanks us. And I honestly should start yeah. charging people like a bottle of scotch or whiskey or something for the advice. But it's like, thank you. Like I now I get it. It changes the math and the economics of the business. It's so impactful that I hope everybody does it. And whether you do it in SMS or you use a post-purchase upsell app or email or something else, it just changes your, it just changes the functioning of the economics of your business so much that it really will put you on a different growth path than if you didn't do it. Yeah. Obviously, welcome series abandoned cut fine, but that last one, Absolutely. I think that's absolute gold. What are really quickly, um, what are a couple of things you hate seeing and people need to stop doing with SMS? Yeah. So I think I mentioned a couple of them already. Every message in an SMS thread, if I sent to your brand, should not be about your company, your product launches, and your 
promotions. And I think the promotions, the last one is the worst offender. If I can scroll through so many SMS like from brands in my emails and it's just promotion. Hey, did you see our promotion? Hey, did you see our promotion? So like really mix it up. Think about the thread. Please don't just send 15 promotions in a row. Nobody's going to respond well to that. And they're just going to burn out from not only your SMS channel, but probably from your brand. The second thing is you like just stop sending the reminder messages in SMS. This is not email. 20% not, it's not 20% of people read the first message. Send the message. If it resonated, send something similar. If it didn't, adjust the strategy and figure out something to A-B test to replace it. That'd be my two major gripes. My third major gripe would just be, and this could be a really long tangent in itself, but everybody's (laughs) so obsessed with personalization and they forget the most important half of the personality of your brand and the personality of your team. Like you can be, you can have so much personalization in your brand if you just put out more personality from the company and from the team. So super simple, really tactical example would be, when this is honestly the first thing I did in SMS, and it was a great recommendation from our app vendor at the time. Hey, first name, this is Maria from Lumi. Do you have any questions about your order today? Or how can I help? And just that simple little thing of sending the message from a teammate at the brand, and we, we t- took this into email and we would change the display name and the display email to be Maria from Lumi and Megan from Lumi and the engagement skyrockets. And it's missing from everybody. I wish more people took me seriously on this because I've been saying this for years and I feel like nobody's done it, but it's, you can have multiple team members, you can have multiple personas and they can take care of one person's marketing, one person's CX. I think Olipop actually does this so well with their program. Yeah. And people not only react better to it, but it drives way more engagement. People would reach out to our customer support team and talk about Maria like she was a real person that they were having a real conversation with. And the value of that is something that you can't quite quantify outside of like lift in engagement, lift in revenue. But there's that halo effect that those types of things really build the relationship with your customers. And so that would be my third thing is like stop being so obsessed with the perfect recommendation at the perfect time and the perfect thing that like, yeah, we'll eventually get there with AI. Like, Share photos from the warehouse. Tell about tell them about your team. Show them behind the scenes stuff. Like that stuff is so crucial to building relationships. And the brands that get it, like they just don't have to spend as much money in marketing because our customers love them and they come back anyway. Yeah, I've had that same example. We made up a person for email newsletters. I think one of the companies I used to work at. And and yeah, we people enjoyed the email so much. We used to get people emailing customer service asking to speak to. Julia, I think it was. And unfortunately, she didn't exist because we made her up. But uh, it was just really interesting that people emailing in, just asking to speak to her and ask, asking for her help with, with the problem. But I just wanted to, another example related to that, you mentioned something at the start, uh, the thank you video, right? The selfie mm-hmm. video. This company called... A lot of our brands will yeah. love them. Yeah. They specialize in that sort of thing and getting you to do these personalized, but not one-to-one personalized necessarily, but just these videos that come across as you've just recorded this within the last day. like mm-hmm. and, and, and that comes across in the email. So you can tell it's not this automated thing that's just going out to every single customer. You can tell that they've recorded this specifically to send it to you or a group of customers at this time. So I think that works really well. Just before we finish then, just quick fire questions. Is there anyone in the D2C space that you'd like to go for lunch with? Yeah. Moise Ali. I've been so impressed by what he's been able to do. And I feel like I'm sure he's not that unique of an answer, but I just, I think 
what he figured out at Native so early in the journey is what DTC brands will be figuring out for the next 10 years. And just the fact that he was able to raise basically no money and exit for 1x revenue for an e-commerce brand, which I also don't think it's talked about enough of. That is so impressive. And he didn't get, he didn't exit on it. It's just like really impressive to see how much growth, how quickly he could have it. And actually a lot of the things that I, I love now, and like what we talked about, I originally discovered some of it in the Native funnel. But yeah, he's just somebody, I think he just thinks so deeply about these things. And also just, I really respect serial entrepreneurs who go and do it and like, I'm sure he has the war stories and the battle scars to back up everything that he talks about. Yeah, cool. And finally, uh, a couple of marketing tools that you'd recommend uh, D2C marketers. Yeah, so record a whole other episode on this. Rebuy engine for all of your in-funnel and pre-purchase upsells. So right, that one text message we talked about is after the sale. You can do a lot of that on the PDP page, on the add to cart page. And if you have a fly out on, if you're on Shopify Plus on the checkout page, Again, same exact mechanics that we discussed, same profit implications, but you can do that throughout your entire funnel. So that's, that is like just a standard offering that I say every brand should get because it's that same AOV contribution margin optimization. The second one actually is going to be Bongiorno. One of the brands okay. we worked with in BSCM 2021 actually crashed Bongiorno's service because <laughs> they like sent so many messages. I heard about them a couple of years ago. I thought it was a cool idea. I didn't really understand how it could scale up. I think they like built some new features in the past six to 12 months, but it's just the engagement that you're, that brands are seeing in that channel and the evangelism love people going to post on social or in private groups that the brands run about that is it's just like mind blowing. So I'd say we're definitely still very earlier there. Like I think customers actually do believe it's a one-to-one message and a one-to-one video. So I think that's another one I would recommend that I don't have a ton of experience with, but the brands I'm seeing, the early brands I'm seeing use it are seeing just crazy engagement on Bonjourno as well. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Uh, cool. This has been absolutely fantastic stuff. Really great about SMS. Really hope we do see more, more brands using it properly in 2022. If people want to get in touch and find out more, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So first, thank you so much for having me on. I always love doing this. It's always fun to just ramble on and hopefully share some valuable things. If you thought anything that I said was valuable and you want more of it, Jeremy Horowitz on LinkedIn, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z. I try to post something every day that's helpful, only meant for growing e-com brands and just thinking about the space, a little bit of a marketing tilt because that's what I focus on a lot. And then Messenger Mastermind, we're on YouTube and every podcast channel. You'll soon hear an interview with Will, but also we're interviewing the top marketing leaders from brands, from apps, from agencies, all about what's working, what can they do the best that they're testing in every channel. And so if you thought this was valuable, a lot of what I shared today, I learned from Messenger Mastermind. Hope to see you there. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thanks, Will. Really appreciate it. I think Jeremy made a fantastic point towards the start of the episode that you need to treat channels how customers want to use them. So many people now view email like their letterbox. 99% of the stuff that comes through it are either transactional related, so like bills, products and things you've ordered, or marketing, you know, catalogs, leaflets, etc. Very rarely something personal comes through. SMS, on the other hand, is different. SMS is very personal and your customers expect it to be treated properly. Uh, this is why, you know, one of the other things Jeremy said that I loved was uh, brands are so obsessed with personalization but make no effort to actually add personality to a message and be personable to a customer. You can still automate the messages, but make them read as if they're from a member of staff checking in and allow people to actually respond to them. Asking if they need help uh, or actually getting in touch with a special offer for them, it makes SMS feel so much more personal and that's how customers expect it to be used. 
If you'd like to hear more from Jeremy, go check out the Messenger Mastermind podcast or follow him on LinkedIn. He shares loads of great advice there. Any other podcasts, questions, uh, feedback, guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. Next up, I've got Ross Davis with me, and we're going to be talking about how to ensure your website is in the best possible place for launch and how to deal with objections when you move away from best practice. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.